Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Dome. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Domel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. For corn farmers in the Texas High Plains, Things are definitely looking much better now than they were back at planting time. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Animal Health Commission is encouraging Texans to vaccinate their livestock against anthrax. I'll have that story and more coming up. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Heavy rains have halted all field work across the valley. Now, we desperately need to dry out and quick. Those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Harvest may be a bit behind schedule due to summer rains, but cotton and grain sorghum in Wichita County are looking good. David Graff, Wichita County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources, says barring some type of disaster or other event, they are expecting above-average yields in their grain sorghum this year. Most of it was planted early. Most of that looks really good, headed out. Some of it's already starting to turn just a little bit. Some of that early grain sorghum, not a lot, but some of it was starting to stress. We had a couple of weeks that things got pretty dry on top, and so it was looking a little tough. But overall, it looks really good. The cotton in the county was planted a little bit later than normal. It's just starting to square, and so it's pretty late, but in general, it looks really good at this point. He says that late start means that cotton may be harvested a bit later than normal. It'll be back some. You know, we get some really good hot days. It'll catch up. But, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things. We just now need some heat. You hate to say that in, in July, but we really could use some heat units. Graf says there is some pest pressure. We're seeing some flea hoppers in our cotton, but in terms of insects, not a big problem. Grain sorghum, seeing some headworms, but once again, it's just not a real problem. He said they're also not seeing the huge fly problems that other parts of the state are seeing due to the wetter spring and summer months. Looking back to crops, Graf said it is nicer to move closer to harvest, seeing good yields and knowing that prices are higher than in previous years. It's not very often that we get adequate rainfall and then we have good prices with it. So we're very uh, blessed to be able to do that. That was Wichita County Extension Agent David Graf. The outlook for corn on the Texas High Plains is looking much better than it was a few weeks ago. James Hunt has that report for us from Amarillo. If you go back to that late April, early May time frame, right as spring planting was beginning in our area, things were not too encouraging. Our region was very dry and there wasn't much hope for relief coming anytime soon. But then those good rains, those surprisingly good rains, started falling. And David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says worries that this year's corn crop would require extra heavy irrigation went away. We've got a lot of wells turned off. 
and here at mid to late July, not seeing all the pivot lights blinking and hearing the motors running, it's quite phenomenal. Relatively cool temperatures have also benefited local corn. Things are not quite perfect. There's a bit of a disease threat in some area fields at a time when crop protection chemicals are in short supply, but overall, Gibson says, things are looking very good. In general, our crop seems to be a little bit ahead, so if we can just escape some really hot, dry winds here over the next three weeks, we're going to be way down the line towards having our corn kind of pushing towards the finish line. If we get to the middle of August and catch just a little more rain and escape some of those really hot temperatures with a real low humidity and drying winds, I think with our water, we're going to be able to push this crop pretty much to the finish line and be positioned well to have good production this year. And in addition to how things are doing out in the fields, with the potential for receiving around $6 a bushel in the cash market, Gibson says area corn farmers are looking at what should be good economic returns despite the challenge of higher input costs. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is urging Texans to consider vaccinating their livestock against anthrax. The commission has confirmed a captive white-tailed deer in Valverde County tested positive for the disease last month. It is the first case of anthrax in Texas this year. Dr. Andy Schwartz, TAHC state veterinarian and executive director, says it is common to see an increase in anthrax cases after periods of cool, wet weather that are followed by hot and dry conditions. I urge livestock owners to get ahead of the outbreak and and vaccinate their animals as soon as they can and get that protection on board. We're fortunate with this disease that there is a vaccine that protects livestock and other mammals from the disease. Anthrax is a bacterial disease caused by a naturally occurring organism. Anthrax cases in Texas are most often found in portions of Crockett, Valverde, Sutton, Edwards, Kinney, and Maverick counties near the Texas border. That's an area bounded by the towns of Uvalde, Ozona, and Eagle Pass, or the counties that include those towns. And that's typically where we see anthrax. And this current outbreak, this case in the breeder deer, is in Valverde County, which is in that triangular area that I just described. We have gotten reports from the Texas Park and Wildlife Department that are some deer deaths on a nearby state naturalization area, the, the Devil's River state naturalization area, so we just encourage producers all in that area to vaccinate their animals. Livestock can get anthrax by ingesting the bacteria when eating contaminated grass and hay or by inhaling the spores. Both humans and livestock alike can be infected with anthrax when coming into contact with an infected animal carcass or bodily fluids. That is one reason why it is so important that landowners properly dispose of animals that appear to have anthrax. The best method is, if at all possible, is to burn the carcass where it is or near where it lies, burn it completely, and that destroys the bacteria. The concern with moving the carcass elsewhere is that that bodily fluid, the blood and all that, that contains a bacteria that makes those resistant spores um, can, can leak out and contaminate the soil. They can remain infectious for decades in the soil until uh, conditions are right again. After exposure, it typically takes three to seven days for an exposed animal to show symptoms of the illness. Symptoms include acute fever followed by rapid death with bleeding from body openings. If you have found an animal that is suspected of having anthrax, contact your veterinarian 
and or the Texas Animal Health Commission. If there's been one constant for most areas of Texas this season, it's been that rain has disrupted field work at one point or another. Jim Hearn joins us with more on how it halted work again in the Rio Grande Valley. Heavy rains have hit extreme South Texas once again, and this time all field work remains at a standstill. The amounts in the ranch country averaged seven plus inches, while in the Mid Valley I saw 10 plus, and near the coast, well, they went 13 inches and higher. The harvest of grain sorghum and corn had just begun. Probably less than 5% of the grain sorghum crop had been harvested. Yields were good. Dry land, about 3,200 pounds. Irrigated, 6,500 pounds and higher. The fields are now so muddy, it may take a week or longer to get combines back in the field. Now, cotton was underwater for a while, and let's hope the winds will help dry the middles out so that the bowl rod does not become a severe problem. One problem with Milo right now, though, is the sugarcane aphid has showed a tremendous upsurge, and growers now will be spraying both uh, mature and blooming sorghum. The citrus crop continues to progress on what little fruit we do have. Producers are trying to keep it free from insect damage, but the rains have hindered all types of spraying activity. Ranchers have loved the rain. The stock tanks are full. The cattle condition is very good. A lot of young calves are now making their way to the sale yards. And Amistad and Balkan Reservoirs have certainly benefited from all the rain. Amistad now at 52.8% of full capacity. Falcon is about 25.9%. Now, plenty of room still left at both reservoirs to collect any major inflows. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Local Farm Service Agency offices are now accepting applications for a new program that assists livestock and poultry producers financially impacted by the pandemic. USDA's Rod Bain joins us with more. Among the adverse impacts several livestock and poultry producers encountered resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. These producers had to euthanize or otherwise dispose of animals because slaughter capacity just wasn't there because of the pandemic with loss of income, loss of production assets in some cases. Particularly as producers dealt with costs associated with herd and flock depopulation and disposal. As a result, USDA developed the recently announced Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program as part of its Pandemic Assistance for Producers initiative. Eligible livestock include swine, chickens, and turkeys. Livestock must have been depopulated from March 1st, 2020 through December 26th, 2020 because of insufficient processing access as a result of the pandemic. And they must have been located physically in the United States or a territory of the United States at the time of depopulation population. Eligible producers are now able to sign up at local FSA offices for PLIP. And it's going to run through September 17th. Yet the FSA administrator notes some things producers must keep in mind when enrolling in the program. Producers must qualify based on their average adjusted gross income being less than $900,000 for the tax years of 2016, 17, and 18. form you're going to need to complete is FSA 620. That's the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program application. You can submit that to any FSA county office. Additional documentation may be required to verify the information on that form. That was USDA's Rod Bain. We'll have wildlife and vet news and a look at the market coming up next.
After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've been fortunate this summer in that it hasn't been as hot as in years past, but heat stroke is still a concern for many animals and for people as well. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us today to discuss how heat stroke can impact horses. Stephen Hogan indicates on the AAEP website that the body maintains its normal temperature in hot weather by moving heat through the muscles and out through the skin. Blood also removes heat as it circulates through the body and releases it through lung tissue, skin, and expanding blood vessels. This is why blood vessels in people and horses appear larger and distended in hot weather for cooling purposes. Horses that cannot sweat enough, which have a condition called anhydrosis, can get overheated very quickly compared to normal horses. Exercise is the major source of heat for horses, and the more exercise involved, the more heat that it is produced. When the sum of the outside air temperature plus the relative humidity is less than 130, most horses can keep their body cool, unless they are overweight or very muscular. When the temperature plus humidity is greater than 150, it is very difficult for most horses to keep cool. Since almost everyone has a cell phone with a weather app on it, you can always get the current temperature and relative humidity and add the results together. And if the sum is over 150, be careful riding as your horse could overheat. And if the temperature plus humidity is over 180, riding is not recommended. For example, if the temperature is 95 degrees in the Texas summer and the humidity is 60%, the total is 155, so not a good time to exercise your horse. Signs of heat stroke in the horse include a body temperature of 105 degrees or more, rapid breathing and high heart rate, stumbling and weakness, depression, refusing to eat, decreased activity, dry skin, dehydration, and in severe cases, convulsions and coma. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd with today's Texas Vet News. Thank you, Dr. Judd. That's some valuable information for our horse owners here in Texas. There are still plenty of opportunities for Texas anglers to win big through the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas's annual STAR Tournament. Dylan Sassman, Assistant Tournament Director, joins us with more. we still got 10 boats, 3 trucks, 4 Polaris Rangers, and $295,000 in scholarships up for grabs this summer. Note on those scholarships real quick, any of those unclaimed scholarships, we're giving away. We promise every year $325,000 in scholarships, and by God, we're going to give it all away. The easiest way to register is startournament.org, or just call the office at 713-626-4222. Due to the winter storm in February that killed off millions of fish, the speckled trout, Flounder, Sheep's Head, and Gaff Top divisions have been eliminated this year, but there are still plenty of other opportunities for anglers to reel in a prize. All the inshore stuff is the blue, red, and green tagged redfish divisions. $30,000 scholarships for any of the kids that catch a tagged redfish. For the offshore guys, we've got kingfish, dolphin or dorado, ling, 
and Red Snapper. And I will say there is still a whole lot of empty spaces on the offshore division leaderboard. We need some people to get out there and start catching some, especially dolphin and ling. You must register before fishing to be eligible for a prize. Things have been hot, hot, hot all summer long in the tournament. I've just finished updating our uh, tag redfish catches. And for the year so far, we have 28 tag redfish catches this year. Now, granted, only 13 of those are winners because the rest of them didn't sign up. You know, like we always say, you got to be in it to win it. Register at startournament.org. That is startournament.org. The tournament remains open through September 6th. Cotton and cattle were trading higher for much of the day Thursday. How did things shape up by the end of the day? Well, we'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Both live and feeder cattle traded higher for much of the day Thursday on concerns about nearby supplies. August live cattle up 75 cents to 120.80. October live cattle up a dollar 42 to 126.67. December live cattle up 80 cents to 131.85. August feeder cattle up a dollar 42 to 158.20. September feeder cattle up a dollar 40 to 160.70. October feeder cattle up a dollar 52 to 162.62. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle beller, it's time to go to Lockhart and review their sale from last Thursday. We're with that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley. Maddie, how are you? Hey, Larry. Uh, we ended up having a pretty good day. We had 1074 with 228 cows and 21 bulls, 119 sellers, and 70 buyers. Let's walk the pins. On the stalker cows, we got along good this week, but we didn't have too many to pick from in the way of pairs. A few decent pairs brought from 11 to 12.50. Mediocre and middle-aged from 8 to 10.50. The good bred cows from 850 to 1100. Mediocre and middle aged cows from five and a quarter to 800. The Longhorn and Planer in from 350 to 500. Packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with a week ago. The good high yielding cows from 65 to 79. The medium yielding from 56 to 64. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 38 to 55. The good high yielding Packer bulls from 95 to a dollar six and a half. The medium yielding from 85 to 94. Low yielding and lightweight bulls from 70 to 84. Uh, calves in Yerlin sold pretty much steady uh, on a good active market this week. We had two straight loads of wean Yerlin steers uh, this week. Uh, we had 57 head that weighed 846 at $1.45, and 49 head weighed 989 at $1.27.5. And so it was a good day, and all in all, we got along real good. Are you aware of anything for next week? I don't know of anything yet. Hopefully, we can drive up some business between now and then. 
Tell everybody how to contact you. You can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Thanks, Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day to you. A lukewarm export report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture and those concerns about African swine fever in other parts of the world caused lean hogs to close mixed on Thursday. August lean hogs up 7 cents to 106.65. October lean hogs down 67 cents to $91.72. Class 3 milk closed mixed on Thursday as well. July class 3 milk down 8 cents to 16.57 a hundredweight. August class 3 milk up 24 cents to 16.34 a hundredweight. Cotton closed above 90 cents on Thursday. October cotton up 118 points to 90.27. December cotton up 117 points to 89.86. That after the U.S. Department of Agriculture posted decent export sales. Corn traded lower Thursday, likely due to the U.S. corn crop moving closer to harvest, especially here in Texas. September corn down seven and a quarter to 564 and a half. December corn down seven and a quarter to 561 and a quarter. September hard red wheat down 15 to 653 and three quarters. December hard red wheat down 15 as well. This one to 664 and three quarters. July hard red wheat up five to 617 and a half. August soybeans down 23 to 1416 and a quarter. November soybeans down 27 and a half to 1362 and a quarter. August natural gas up 3 cents to 399. September natural gas up 3 cents as well. This one to 397. September crude oil up $1.51 to 7181 a barrel. October crude oil up $1.49 to 7106 a barrel. Now let's check the financial markets. The Dow up 69 points to 34867. The S&P 500 up 10 points to 4,369. And the NASDAQ up 61 points Thursday to 14,693. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.